Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. We just have a good rhythm together, you know. He sort of feels me out, I feel him out, and uh, we go for it. Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of The Worst Idea of All Time, uh, in which Tim and I delve back into the world of Carrie Bradshaw and her merry band of thieves. Uh, as we watch Sex in the City, the movie. This is Guy Montgomery broadcasting live from Bangalore, India. How about that? Bangalore, India. He's not even kidding, folks. He's really there. What's happening, Guy? Paint me a yeah. picture. Uh, well, the picture I've got for you right now is mostly one of a hotel room. So we're looking at a lot of uh, sort of faux wood covering of... Uh, Pretty solid sort of desk. I don't know what it's... A faux wood covering of maybe real cheaper wood. Right. Uh, it's a beautiful sort of impressionist painting of um, hay, I think, in front of me. i got to say, Tim, though, there's yeah. a lot of background noise coming from your end of the call. Where in God's green earth are you? Well, I can tell that this episode was always going to be fun, but I think this is going to be a little bit tricky because... Um, I'm really detecting the fact that you are coming to me from the, you know, deepest, darkest parts of the world because that, that internet connection's dicey. But it doesn't matter because the listeners won't hear that. What they will hear is me on a Sunday night, um, just outside the gates of a music festival called Friday Night Jams, which makes no fucking sense. But it's <laughs> happening. Um, literally, they've been setting up all day just. Just outside my door, you'll know, guy, that I live very close to a big music venue. And I thought, you know what, if you can't beat him, grab your microphone, head on down. Isn't Usher playing at that gig? Yes, dude. Little John, Usher, salt and pepper, genuine. This thing is off the fucking chain. There's a lot of people roaming in. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I can't imagine for me, as I hear it filtered through two internet connections and a set of headphones... But uh, certainly for the young and old patrons who head on down for Friday Night Jams, of course, on a it's, beautiful Sunday evening it's not even, in Tamaki, Makoto. It's not even fun for me because I don't have a ticket. 
it's just happening real close to my house. So I thought I'd come down to the, oh, outside not, the gates. I guess that makes sense. It's not a freebie. Surely it won't have sold out. You can get one on the door if you want. <sighs> what am I, I made just got of some money? bangers, dude. Hey? Nah, you're not. I'm just sort of trying to encourage you uh, with elements of the lineup. Yeah, I mean, look, salt and pepper, very tempting, incredibly tempting, both as a seasoning and as a musical act, but just isn't going to happen name, today. Name three th- three songs by salt and pepper. Let's talk about sex. Um, uh, can't remember. There was a biggie. That's huge. You know? was, yeah. Is that them? Yeah. Yeah. Shit, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that was by yeah. far. All right. Well, far and away the biggest. So this actually takes me back to my radio days. I feel like I'm doing a cross. Can you Fuck, tell me it? what order you think that people will be performing in? Say again. Sorry. Well, like you've got Salt and Pepper, you've got Usher, you've got Little John. Yeah. Uh who headlines that show and who opens? Uh, you'd think Usher. Usher and Little John seem to be co-headlining, which I think is like appropriate, eh? Although Usher was... Yeah, he's, he's the, he was a fucking superstar when we were in high school, man. Like, the guy could not be beat. I'm going to assume you are getting so much wind from my end, for which I apologise. I'm in a very exposed spot. No, 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 no not at all. Okay. Usher discovered Justin Bieber... Anyway, look, this is all just colour. This is all background noise. It is, it is, to, it is. Uh, yeah, you're right. This 13th screening of Sex in the City. Yeah. Which I woke up to do, uh, as always, a, a dangerous move and not an enjoyable one. I brought my laptop and the film into my marital bed, uh, which in this instance is just a hotel bed. And uh, we did not make fast free. Oh, are you there? I've lost you completely now. No, no, I can hear you. I'd just like to oh, say uh, commendations to the wind surrounding you. Wind, one of my favourite elements. Uh, not to be trifled with, a very powerful element. Uh, capable of kicking up quite a lot of stink and quite a lot of noise. My apologies for that. I'll try and fashion a device. At any rate, look, this is all just, it's all just fluff, isn't it? Um, we're here to talk about a fucking movie. And that movie is Sex in the City. Is this the first time, by the way, that we're speaking to you in India on this season of the podcast? Yeah, it is. Uh, it absolutely is. And, you know, that's... Of course, as the fans will remember, reason. you spent half of season one in India um, broadcasting broadcasting from Bangalore, actually, weren't you? Yeah, I've uh, made the pilgrimage back to the home of podcasting. Bangalore is actually the uh, Silicon Valley of India, little known fact for people outside of India, presumably. Uh, and you really get that feel. You know, there's a lot of people... Rolling around on electric scooters, uh, yeah. wearing Google, wearing Google glasses, genuinely a city of the future. And how is Sex in the City? How does it hold up when you're in the subcontinent? Uh, this movie knows no borders. It knows no bounds, Tim. It's a steaming hunk of shit wherever you take it. I, uh, uh. I did not enjoy it. I actually. Um, that that opening, you know that the sort of relentless music that underscores Carrie's opening monologue, that sort of re-rubbed edit of the Sex in the City theme song, really got yes, under I my did. skin today. Uh, had no time for that, and uh, 
pretty much all went downhill from there. I eventually sort of found a few little moments to enjoy, um, but it was it was not a healthy morning, not a good morning. I was uh, much happier having diarrhea across three different cities in India than I was with my sound bowel and sex in the city in my hotel room this morning. Let me tell you that. Oh, sorry, say that again. Which one would you prefer? Do you, do you want the squirts and no sex in the city or sex in the city and no squirts? I think now that the movie's over, uh, you know, I'd probably take the Sex in the City experience has only lasted two and a half hours as opposed to five days. Yeah, that's true. But while I was watching the movie, I craved to not be. You know, getting up uh, and down how, and sh- shitting pure liquid is one diarrhea? thing. How bad's it been, guy? Give me a blow-by-blow blow of your bowel movements over the last little while. I'm going to go straight for the highlight, Tim. Uh, hmm. Uh, the the deepest empathy I felt during the movie today uh, was reserved for no nemesis of Guy Montgomery, Charlotte Goldenblatt, uh, when course. she Poughkeepsied her pants in Mexico. Uh, a similar a situation, not dissimilar to the one I found myself in on the overnight train from uh, Kolkata to Delhi. Oh man. Uh, Wherein I've heard those trains I, can be not the best environment if you've got a bit of a rumbly-tumbly as well from friends of uh, That wasn't the real issue. I was on a top bank. I got up and down four or five times over the night to do my, at the time, very unique brand of poos. Uh, yes. <laughs> and by the time the sun had come up, I was um, feeling pretty good about myself. Actually, I'd made it through the night. Uh, nearly a hair of shit in my underpants to be seen. I went to the right. bathroom for a single-purpose trip. I thought it was just going to be a wee. My first standing-up yep. wee of the trip and of the last few days. Sort of, I guess there was something about the body language and positioning which uh, sort of programmed in me a self-confidence that I did not deserve to have. And I made the rookie mistake of trusting a fart, um, which resulted in pure liquid arriving in my underpants effective immediately. Sounds like a real roll of the dice. Um, Guy, you have to forgive the big uh, pauses. Sometimes I don't know if you've cut out or if, if we've just paused for effect, but either which way you cut it, it sounds like a harrowing experience of you versus a porcelain disaster. No, well, uh, the big pauses to me actually do account for the unfucking holy amount of noise you've chosen to surround yourself with as we record this episode of a podcast, a medium which exists almost exclusively in audio. While I understand yeah. the excitement and the sort of, you know, the logic underpinning the decision, I've got to say, as your co-anchor, who's on a very dicey hotel internet connection with a pretty high-quality pair of cans on either side of his ears, uh, it is a most regrettable decision you have made. But I'm in it now. You know, I'm here. I've made the commitment. So that's that's yeah, where we're at, and we, we're just going to have to deal with the decisions. Of, it's kind of a, a a metaphor both for the podcast as a whole, and particularly this season I was thinking a lot a lot about today. It's just like, well, we've done fucked up again. Um, here, here we are. You would have thought we had learned our lesson, where you clearly haven't. But um, the bed is made, and in it we lie. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree, but I do feel like the decision that you've made to stand next to the music concert is one that has a far greater impact on uh, me, Guy Montgomery, than you, yeah. Tim Bat. We all know audio up front, uh, if you're in the room, if you're in the stadium, if you're standing outside the gates of the stadium watching teenagers file in, or perhaps in this instance, uh, 
Generation X violin as they try and reminisce of their high school days, uh, you know, that's going to be fine. But if you're receiving that audio through, you know, two or three sources, it's a disaster. It sounds like someone is trying to strangle a microphone. Does it? Well, yeah, there's no accounting for um, the technical barriers, which are not nothing on this ep. But uh, it's it's a bit of fun, you know, it's a bit of spice, it's a bit of fun. We've got so many watches this fucking movie to do, Guy, that um, I think it's very important, much like the the relationships that we see in Sex in the City. We've got to shake it up, baby. Tim, what was the uh, low point of your viewing this week? Um, there was one, actually. Hey, buddy. Yeah, go for it. Take a piss. Um, there was one. I, oh, I've brought with me a bunch of post-it notes, guy. Why? Why wouldn't you? Oh, I've got it. Here it is. Um, okay, so I'm pretty sure it's. Sha- uh, wait, who says this? Who says this? Who says this? Charlotte says to Miranda, "You really can't forgive him." Talking about Steve because Steve cheated on you, <laughs> and her response to that is, "Are you suggesting something?" Yeah, I fucking think she is. I think she's suggesting, Miranda, that you forgive him. The clue was in the sentence that she said. Yeah. Every time Miranda, I say that, and it gets my gut. Miranda uh, came across as a pretty uncompromising uh, and needlessly stubborn figure in this watch. And her and I are usually allies, but um, I don't know... It's not uh, it's not a secret exactly that both of our hearts go out to Steve. Um, not necessarily for his misdemeanors, but just generally. We've got a lot of time, got a lot of respect for the guy. And uh, this, you know, it's, it's call it a sound bit of plotting or script writing or storytelling, but watching Miranda hound carry for that forgiveness in three days after her uh, confession, you know, just the absolute... Um, Having the blinders on, as she did, about her situation with Steve and the parallels contained therein, really shat me. I was like, you're an intelligent woman. You're a lawyer. You're also emotionally intelligent. You're a great mother. You're um, an inspiring figure to your friends. Just take a step back, do some fucking work on yourself, and look at what's happening here. (laughs) Yeah. I actually wanted to ask you about Steve this week. Because uh, I, 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 actually, it's been, um, you won't hear the gap, but there's been quite a while since Guy and I last recorded and, uh, and subsequently watched the movie. Um, but where do you come down on the whole Steve thing? Like, do you, do you, what do you reckon? I know that you're very happy that they get back together, but um, if uh, you were Miranda, if you were in her shoes, do you think you would have made the same decision? Uh well, I mean, we have. You've got to bear in mind, Tim. You and I have more information than Miranda. Miranda, maybe wisely, maybe not, does not demand to know who Steve cheated on her with. Now, you and I are sitting True. here secure in the knowledge that Steve fucked Smith Jarrett, uh, yes. and in a way that went beyond just a casual lovers' tryst. But there was some sort of soul bond or connection that was made that suggests the relationship that both of those men should be in is one with each other. Uh so, given the information that Miranda has, I think I would have done things slightly differently. I think I probably would have forgiven Steve sooner. Yeah. Um, 
She's I just very, think she does seem very against the idea. I know that eventually she comes around, but she seems very ardently against the idea of forgiving him. She's he's, she's she's holding on for dear life. Can I say though, just because this is related, the bit where Steve comes, I think it's to pick Brady up for the um, New Year's Eve shenanigans. Yeah, and he's in that black coat. Fuck, he looked good this week. I was like, oh, Steve, you've turned it on, mate. You look great. Did you take a he real, did you take he a second look at the therapy outfit that you uh, so so callously made fun of previously? It was there. I saw it. Still not a fan, man. It's not. It's not my vibe at all. I was probably a little harsh on it. Okay. And you remember, guy? I've been all across the map on the fashion on this movie. I. I mean, it wasn't four, maybe five episodes ago that I uh, brought up in, in kind of a self-owned moment how good Runkle's pink tie was. I've seen the light. You, you, were, you couldn't be more right. It's atrocious. But it spoke to me in the yeah, moment. Was so a, um, things will change. It's really a metaphor for life, isn't it? You know, you make a decision in the moment and you can, all you can do is stand behind it for, you know, for, for the decision that it was at the time. That doesn't mean that with hindsight you don't look back and realize you've made a mistake, but you've got to take your lumps. Um, that leads me to a question, actually, guy, I want to throw at you. And it came to me. I wrote it down. It was the first thing I wrote down on my first post-it, this watch, because I really wanted to ask you, hey, Guy Montgomery, what the, f- what the fuck is this movie about? Uh, it's about printing money. It's about opening a mint, uh, <laughs> ignoring you know US government rules and regulations, and printing a fuck ton of cash so that SJP and Matthew Broderick can put another wing on their house. That's the main thing it's about in a financial sense. In terms of storytelling, uh, what we want. Well, yeah, but it's about watching the. It's about growing old together. It's about uh, watching the people you love, the people we know intimately, the people who we've grown old with, uh, settle into the next phase of their life. No better summarized than in the final toast, where Carrie says to Samantha, 50 and fabulous. And to us, and the next 50. It's about transitioning from being young woman looking for love to, uh, you know, to middle age, essentially, I guess. Hey, call me um, a creep or or whatever you want. I'm just a fan of comedy at the end of the day. I want to see Samantha Jones on the fuck at age 100. I want to see that Sex in the City movie. Some fucking horny-ass grandma in a home. And it's just not slowing it down one iota. Yeah, is there a um, is there a correlation, or is there like a, a medical age at which studies have shown libidos go down? Because I don't know. You know I hear a lot of things about um, old people's homes. STIs are rampant because a there's not a hell of a lot to do. Um, B because of the uh, what's it called Viagra. That all the, the, the grandpas are popping. And I, I actually don't know if there's a, a female equivalent of Viagra, which is, um, I don't know. Do you know? Is there? I think it might just be Viagra. I think beyond giving you a, a solid boner, it can just turn your sex drive up. Viagra. Viagra. it's the female yeah, yeah. equivalent. It's a swing and a miss or a time delay from the internet. I'm going to choose the latter and move forward. At any rate, I want to see the movie of 100-year-old Samantha Jones, man. Oh, I'm laughing just thinking about it. 
Yeah, she'd uh, she'd certainly be a, a horny, horny yet elderly stateswoman. Uh, you can imagine the wittier sides as she rules the the retirement village uh, with an iron fist and uh, and also an iron pussy. Um, mm. Can I uh, tell you what really got me, Tim? What, yeah. Uh, a, a little moment that really irked me, amongst many, was uh, at the tail end of that very indulgent bridal couture photo shoot for Vogue and another powerhouse yeah. performance by, um, was her name Candice Bergen? You SJP's. Got it. You got it in yeah, one. yeah. Shit, she really she she shows up week after week. She's one of my faves, uh, no doubt. But so they they finish the photo shoot and then carries it home, and she says, "And then the impossible happened." And uh, it sort of bothered me, and I haven't known exactly why week in week out. But I think I've figured it out because what Carrie Bradshaw is describing as the impossible happening is one of the brands that have paid to be featured in the movie have paid to be featured in the movie a little bit more. So she says, yeah. and then the impossible happened while she's holding up a dress with a big card in front of it that says Vivian Westwood. Yeah, that's right. What she is describing as impossible is the miracle of advertising. Even within the world of the film, it's not impossible that she would be given that dress. She wore it as an advertisement in a popular fashion magazine. It's, uh, it's totally within the realm of possibility. What do you think it's a s- Carrie Bradshaw would do if she saw something truly impossible? If she was like, and then, or, or what would she say if she saw Rose, the baby, flying around the room? Just like, hey, turns out Rose is an X-Man. Um, didn't see this coming. Wasn't aware she had mutant abilities. And she's sure exhibiting them a lot earlier than, uh, than X-Men generally do. But she's a mutant and she can fly. Do you think her, as a professional writer, grasp of the English language is, is not capable to, like, kick up a notch? Would it still just be, and then the impossible right. happened. Rose not flew here, around the room. I'm not here to cast doubt or shade at Carrie's ability to write or her skills as a professional writer. I think her emotional intelligence... Um, and empathy levels might mean that she could be in a room with Rose who's flying around and completely oblivious because she's spiralling out that Big has uh, brought home a brand new set of, you know, quite expensive kitchen knives for his latest venture. Yeah. Oh, some Ginzus. Then the impossible happened. John brought home some Ginzus. Yeah. She, I mean, she could be in a room while, uh, uh, you know kidnappers have broken in and taken Rose from the room and Carrie would be looking in the mirror, you know, working on her inner monologue uh, and she'd be completely oblivious. Then Charlotte would come in and Carrie would be like, why does this have to be about you right now, Charlotte? John's bought more knives home. We've run out of drawer space. What sort of device are you recording? Yeah, I'm recording a podcast For... for my podcast. I'm like a kilometre away. You can't record this show. Yeah, I'm not in the show though. I'm out here. Well, like I said, yeah. you can't have any recording devices in here. But this was the park. I'm not even inside the gates.
Yeah, I realised that. So they have a patent and a copyright, so... <laughs> <laughs> you can, um... Uh, I'll, I'll just show, I just live literally just up in that street there. So if someone needs to come and remove me, that's fine. But I, I'm just doing a podcast here. So I literally can't really pick up anything from this distance anyway. It's a handheld mic. <laughs> okay. Where what were seems we? To be the, what seems to be the problem, officer? Oh, um, the, the high fidelity recording I'd clearly be able to get from conservatively 750 metres away with the handheld microphone from the stage yeah it's, uh, she it's an issue is, because of patents is she afraid that you are going to record this show from distance yes. Yes. and re-release it live or recently enough <laughs> to undercut the people who have paid tickets to see the concert live is that what I picked up I guess that's the working theory that we're going on at the moment, and we'll we'll see how that shakes out. But yeah, God. I think that is uh, the rationale. <laughs> hey, people was, are bored, man, because like the show's that, kicked off. So there's there's like a hundred people here in high vis and uh, lanyards who just don't have a lot to do at this point. So I'm here. I'm something fun to do, you know. Yeah, you should have said you were recording your podcast, which was a live review of the gig. Really seen what happened there. <laughs> oh, there's uh, no need to lie, though, is there? If it was a live review of the gig, my review from Bangalore of a concert happening live in Western Springs right now would be, it's no good. To be honest, it's causing <laughs> me uh, headaches. It's scrambling my brains. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, Tim, you know I'm a huge advocate for hiring an objective, professional, licensed professional to tell my problems to, so that when they tell me what they think, I know I'm getting it straight. That's where BetterHelp comes in. That's right. BetterHelp have a big pile of professionals to talk to at your convenience online. You've done a bit of therapy, right, Guy? I started doing therapy during, uh, there was a pandemic, I don't know if you remember, and the benefits were immediate and long-lasting. They help give you skills that you can use 
when you are in stressful or anxious situations. Honestly, it's changed my life for the better. I guess that's why they call it BetterHelp. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash all time today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash all time. Is it actually quite bad? Because I've got no perception of like how much of it you can hear through the telephone. Look, Tim, you're someone who more than anyone else I know respects high quality audio, and I love it. I love dis- the stuff, and dislikes sort of uh, I- any sort of superfluous or unnecessary uh, interference running through audio connections. I get the feeling if you were listening to the abomination that I've been listening to, (laughs) (laughs) you would not be in such shiver spirits. But look, what would I know? Do you know what it is? This is for me, man. This is for my own sanity because I like I was just I was in the um, I was in the studio and the bass was just shaking the house like the windows were rattling. I was like, you know what? Those kids are having fun. If you can't beat them, join them. Flout patent law grab a mic and get down there amongst the riffraff is there um, anywhere hey, from which you have a free view yeah. of the stage oh if i went back up to my house it's not bad. you can get a bit of an overview because it's up top but I've, i'm on the same level so i can't see anything from here yeah i mean i can see i can see the entrance it's about it. a lot of people coming in um, Understood. hey so while while we're talking about audio fidelity and 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 whatnot um, I know we've already talked about Charlotte shitting her pants once, but I do have a, a note here. Um, what I've written down is not diarrhea, solid loaf. Because when you hear the defecate, I don't even know if that's a, a noun, when you hear it happening from Charlotte, it is like the the sound uh, sound designer, sound artist, has really had some fun with that. It's not the kind of shit you would expect with an upset tum where you have very runny poos you can hear that when someone has that issue you can hear it but what what they've selected instead is a bunch of sound effects like she's eaten a McRib or six and she's just trying to get those things out and it's like just a dense solid loaf that she's formed in her pants I love the use of the describing words dense solid loaf uh, I think that that is appropriately disgusting there's a um, Tim and Eric sketch about a device that Cinco make, which uh, is like an anti-diarrhea pants, but it'll only work for diarrhea, no solid loafs, and they, they do remind you of that. So I think that's where I'm borrowing the language from. But it's a great word to describe what, I, what I'm trying to convey. A good solid loaf. You can hear it, Guy, in the audio. Look, as uh, brothers in pants, I'd like to say, I think, yeah, I, I think... That Charlotte's situation is not necessarily like. Is it possible to have diarrhea with a truly solid stool? There's got to be some element of uh, evasiveness, of lubrication, of uh, slipperiness, if you will. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't think you can pass the healthiest of shits, you know, <laughs> involuntarily. In, yeah, so there's some sort of element of a uh, loosening of the sides, perhaps, but um. If I could, yeah, if I would grade it on a scale of zero to a hundred, zero being the hot, wet mess I made on the overnight train from uh, Kolkata to Delhi, 
and 100 being a healthy stool that comes out in a soft S shape, as I once saw uh, from a poo expert on the Oprah show, uh, I would grade Charlotte's shit somewhere in the early 20s. Wow. That's so a real... On the, solid, on the solid side of runs. Gotcha. Yeah, and you can tell, right? You can, you can, that's not just me. You can hear that. Look, I mean, I've always been taken by the stomach sounds that precede the shit, the sort of grumblings and rumblings. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really give the actual shit sound effects enough mind this week to be able to weigh in with any confidence. But um, it's the beauty I have of this no reason project. to distrust you, Tim. There is almost forever another week to go or another watch to see, you know? You just You'll catch it on the next go. That's true. It's the inherent uh, genius I, of that can format. I, can I talk to you about Shining Lights, Tim? Yeah, lay it on me. Uh, could be a Shining Light. Could be uh, editing inconsistency or a goof. Mm-hmm. Either way, I loved it. The pace at which Carrie takes the word love, you know, the key. she gets, uh, when St. Louise is leaving to go back to get married in St. Louis to her, you know, sweetheart. Yeah. And she gives the keys back to Carrie, and Carrie, in less than like two seconds, manages to remove the, the keyring that says love to offer it back to St. Louise before she says, no, no, I've found mine. You need that. Yeah. Remarkable. I don't know what her nails are doing. I don't know what the situation is, but... <laughs> I've been in circumstances recently where I have spent over 10 minutes trying to get a key ring or a key off of a key ring. And to see someone with such dexterity and efficiency take care of a problem, or not, it's not a problem, but, you know, just yeah, just do it so like quickly. Nothing but respect trick. for my president, President Carrie Bradshaw. <laughs> we used to call that a camera trick back in the day. Because I'll bet that took so many takes and some sort of weird setup to make it that fluid. I tell you, as, as a man who uh, bites his nails habitually, got nothing but respect for a clean ring, uh, a, a clean key gotten off a ring. It's so impressive to me because it's so unattainable. And, uh, well, then, you I mean, something for you to look forward to next week. You, uh, you'll get to enjoy the moment as I did today. How good will that be? Um... Are you done? Can I give you mine? Yeah, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> it's Smith giving Samantha the uh, the gift for the five-year anniversary, which is the ring that she bid on, uh, unbeknownst to her against him by the, the tally... Uh, what do you call those people? Bidder? Tally bidder? At the auction. And uh, so, like, he clearly knows. He says, we met five years ago today. Happy anniversary. We met five years ago today. And Samantha clearly did not know this information. She is surprised. She recovers pretty well. But what's my shining light about it is that nothing comes of that. And thank God. Because we don't need another fucking thread like that in this movie. It would just be another simple solution, uh, a, a silly little thing. So I, as cynical as it may be, my shining light is a thread they didn't pick up. They kind of could have. They opened the door. They shut the door immediately. Yeah, it's an interesting way to look at the movie is living in fear of every possible storyline or element that they open up with every line of dialogue. 
Uh, and it's actually quite a fun little game you've uh, f- stumbled into there, Tim, and one I look forward to playing on the next screening. No, tell me now. I'm going to put many... you on the spot. Tell me what's a storyline you're grateful for that does not come up in, in Sex in the City 1, the film. Uh, pretty much anything Carrie Bradshaw says, which would mean that she gets more screen time, and the same for Charlotte. Uh I know that Samantha is sort of here as light relief, but while you say you're glad that they didn't pick up that thread, would you not happily substitute Carrie's umming and ahhing about her life and some of her jilting to see some... I guess they do a pretty good job of sharing out Samantha's story, but... And as far as Samantha's storylines go, mm. you know, this is, this is one of her less interesting ones, and that is just her discovering that she's not ready to be in a long-term relationship. Uh, it wouldn't kill us to see more of that. It's interesting because with a project like this, usually, you know, you see opportunities for the story to change or diverge from its beaten path and you crave them. But this week, because of how long the movie is and where your head was at, I guess, you saw that opportunity and you were grateful they didn't take it. Yeah. It was just so hot in there, guy, in the studio. Doors closed, glass rattling. At the base produced is, by these wonderful is, artists. Is Summer Upon Auckland? Yeah, it is. Streaming in. Can't get enough of the oh. stuff. It's a, beautiful t- it's a beautiful time of the year. I'm very jealous of you. I mean, not that it's not warm here in Bangalore. Rest assured, it's been a sweltering little holiday I've been on. Can only imagine. Uh, a jaunt across India. You don't get diarrhea um, in the cold a- country. Yeah, go on. Can I ask you a question as we sort of work towards the end of this episode, Tim? The grand gesture that Big performs that sort of, at least, is the initial softening of Carrie or persuades her to take him back is uh, he writes up old love letters from a book she found and uh, borrowed from a library. He types up old love letters and emails them to her every day. Yeah. Uh, How persuasive is some fucking boomer? That's like one of the least inspiring things I can think of. Like... He's done nothing. This, you, is you how, this is how low the bar is in Big and Carrie's relationship that she is so taken aback by that. I mean, it's not nothing, guy. He's he's Because he's not a man, his love language is not a language. It's not expression. He never tells her sweet nothings. He's a baller. He's just sitting in the office every day trying to figure out what all them symbols and colours mean. You know, where, where to put the next $100 million mutual fund he's in charge of where to put those chips on the board he doesn't understand love and human interaction but Carrie's okay with that they they make it work so this is this is a big thing for him but for normal mortals um who have you know less than eight digits in their bank account and uh the the gift of literacy it doesn't seem like a lot to just copy and paste other people's work <laughs> That's like an an hour in one afternoon and to schedule your inbox to send them out. And then you can just go out, you know, for how many months it takes for that to persuade Carrie to take you back. Go out, get on the lash, you know. Yeah. Just absolutely hooning on anyone who comes past. Is that what you do, guys? When, uh, when you need to make a grand romantic gesture, you look for the shortcut so you can head to the pub. One for her. No, no. Three for me. Look, I, I haven't been in a situation where I've had to make or have made any seriously grand romantic gestures in my life. But um, I just think 
you know, Carrie Bradshaw, obsessed with love, a love author, you know. Yeah, you're right. There's an it element, is uniquely there's an bad, element of it's an element of her settling here. It's yeah. like it's just too is at this point too hard for her to start a relationship all over again. Yeah. The amount of legwork that you have to get through to get to know the person to the point that you're convinced of the one you like. I mean, as you get older, I think you do start not cutting corners, but you've got a more refined idea of who you want to be with. So maybe the process doesn't take as long. But to me it's just like Ah, yeah, he did the bare minimum. I'll take him back. Um, can I introduce a, a new segment I've just thought of to our podcast for this season? And it's just little. It's is just it? we. It's called Pop Quiz. And it is simply you and I asking each other a question just to make sure we are absorbing the movie, you know, that we're, we're capturing the info. I get the feeling I'm about to be asked a question. How old is Carrie Bradshaw during the events of Sex in the City 1, colon, the movie? Uh, I would say 42. Oh, you're very close. She's 41. How do you know? Because she says, uh, Runkle opens the door and says, what, no costume? And she says, uh, look closer. Uh, I'm dressed as the scariest thing in New York City, 41 and jilted. Actually, I should have known that because her whole feature in the Bridal Couture Vogue is about her turning 40. Yes. That's a nice little tidbit that you took away, though. Uh, so she's obviously, the, the movie follows the same linear path of time as real life, and she ages by <laughs> year by year. Yeah. Inspiring stuff. Not like these uh, parabolic look, aging to, curves we've heard so much about on other films, particularly romantic comedies. Yeah. They love an uh, algorithm. While I've been quite negative and I have found this to be quite a challenging record, I just want to say that after Carrie's toast, as the camera pulls out from the restaurant or bar in which they're sipping cosmopolitans and talking about how great their lives are, yeah. and uh, we arrive on a New York City street as we see four young women lining up to enter a club, and then we pan across as we continue to pull out and see four, yet four more young women walking down the street together having a good yeah. night out. Yeah. I felt something akin to inspiration, not necessarily to see the movie again, not uh, by what we're doing, but just like I felt the emotion that I feel like the filmmakers were trying to conjure. And uh, that in and of itself, both by the filmmakers and myself, esteemed critic Guy Montgomery, was no minor feat. Uh, And while I dread diving back into this film, it is a glimmer of hope that, uh, you know, there is still something in the beautiful love language that is cinema that uh, stirs my loins through this project. That's really sweet. And I like that it's the last thing that's in the movie for you as well. So it's kind of the enduring image. It's one that you can take away with you. Absolutely. Beautiful button on it, Guy. Um, I'm going to get out of here before I get uh, arrested or tossed out or whatnot, go back to my home. Can I just say as well, before we do fully wrap this up, I'm so fucking confused by the clientele of this gig. We've got tens of thousands of people descending onto this venue. At an average age of, I would say, 20, these artists, I mean, they were, some of them, longer the tooth when we were kids, Guy. Salt and peppers from the fucking 90s, man. Usher is timeless. True. Uh, honestly, to hear a group of 20-year-olds piling in there is a surprise to me. Um, I've got the lineup up here. Yeah. It's not a bad bit of programming. Not for us. you got 
Usher and Little John, Salt and Pepper, Eve, Tayo Cruz. I think that's a young a young play. Naughty by Nature, Genuine, <laughs> Estelle, Shafu and the Crates, Kings, and it's all hosted by Fat Man Scoop. <laughs> yeah, man. I think I heard him warming up the crowd earlier. It was, um, it was fucking high energy, I'll tell you that for free. I love it. Well, to you I say, good luck and God bless. Thank you very much. Guy, it's so good to uh, speak to you. Have fun with the rest of your Indian trip. It's not long to go, eh? You don't have a, a ton more time there? Uh, no, there's about eight or nine days left. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. No, I've been here for a while. Truly, it is a different country experienced when healthy and when sick. And I'm so proud and pleased to say uh, I've staged a full recovery. Later today, I'm flying to Goa for a four-day break. Uh, a, a sort of a, a beach region. So I'm looking forward to that. Fantastic. Well, thank you again to our sponsor, Solid Loafs. Um, keep them solid, everybody. Catch you in the next one, guy. See ya. We just have a good rhythm together, you know. Like, he sort of feels me out. I feel him out. And uh, we go for it. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.